we are live. Hey, okay, I see some comments have already happened. Good morning, everybody. Hi. Okay, we've got some folks on. My wonderful wife, Melissa, is joining us here from Las Vegas. Hello. Hey, everybody. All right, let me get some things set up here because uh, we've just gone live, and there is the video. And I'm going to... There we go. Got to get to it so I can see these. Uh, there we go. Got some. Sounds like we got some sound. Can you guys hear me? Okay. Waiting for the chat box to come up so I can see what kind of comments are happening here. Ah, oh, there we go. All right. Let's see what we got here. This has been a uh, really good trip here to Vegas, by the way. Came out here for. Uh, uh, book convention. We had this uh, with this uh, signing yesterday and, and readings of our books. Uh, I've you know read my book here, A to Zenu. I read some uh, some parts from it, and we uh, the other authors that were here: Jeff Hawkins, Mark Headley, um, Sands Hall, Janice Grady, of course, organized and put the whole thing on. Jesse Prince is here. Um, we had a lot of uh, fun talking last night and interacting. A uh, big group of folks. Got this, uh, had a slideshow from Janice Grady, saw some pictures of Hubbard I've never seen before, and uh, all kinds of good stuff, so good times. Now let me see here if I can see what I can see. Let's pop this chat out. All right. The loyal officers have seen what you guys have been sitting here talking about. Okay, Florida. Hi. Okay, good. You guys see us? Uh, do you? And, and is the sound coming out okay? Can you guys hear us okay in here? Just let us know on the comments here. See if. Uh, da, da, da. Hey, lovely. Hey, Dan. Dania C. All good. Robert Roberts says. Okay, good. All right. So um, good. So we got some folks on. So let's go ahead and get 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 into this. Um, Huh. Uh, oh, by the way, I do have some extras of these. I got a bunch of my books sold here. Um, did some book signing yesterday. But if you guys want one of these uh, signed by me, I do have a few extra copies. So um, you can email me. We can make the arrangements um, so I can autograph a copy and send it to you if you would like. And it's um, it's uh, $20 for the book normally. So, um, so if you just, you know... Uh, pay 20 bucks for the book and uh, tell me where you live. If you're in the United States, it's going to be 25 bucks for the shipping. If you're outside the United States, it, it goes up a bit because I think it's like I think we'll say 40 because um, getting it over to the UK was uh, or Europe was surprisingly uh, pricey. I was I was surprised and disappointed at how much the postage cost to get things over there. But uh, anyway. Uh, all right, let's see here. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, let's see. Da, da. I'm here in Vegas. Jen Cove says, sorry, I missed you. I'm here in Vegas and missed my own chance. Ah, yeah, sorry about that. Um, Andy asks, hey, Chris, what do you know about kids on stage for a better tomorrow? Hilarious stuff. 
Um, what I know about that is that those were some Scientologist kids who had some degree of singing talent and dancing talent, and they were put together and choreographed at Celebrity Center International as a show, uh, Kids for a Better Tomorrow or Kids on Stage or something. And uh, they were young performers who were putting on shows, and I, I don't I don't know that I ever saw even one of their shows. I just knew that they were sort of around, so that's what I that's what I knew about that. Um, <clears throat> Okay, let's see here. Um, Dwayne asks, uh, audiobook? Yes, there is an audiobook available of this. It's on uh, Audible. Um, and if you, so if you sign up for Audible, you can get it. And um, uh, otherwise, you can, you know, purchase it for the Kindle as an ebook or uh, a hard, hard copy. And, uh, and the audio version I did myself in my living room. Okay. Uh, left, yeah, it's, uh, it's so apparently there's a mirror image going on here with my uh, uh, camera. I, I have no control over that whatsoever. <laughs> wow, that's interesting. I think that's just, the, that's just the internet. That's not how it's really going out. Uh, all right, let's see here. Um, yeah, mirror image. Uh, okay, Robert asks, uh, do you know a price for Canada? Um, in order to send the book to Canada, I would say... Um, uh, it's the, uh, it was, again, it was pricier than I thought it was going to be. Um, so, you know, let's say 35 for Canada, because I think it's a little less than sending it overseas, but not much. Uh, okay, let's see what else we got coming in here. Oh, I'll, the other thing I wanted to throw out real fast before um, I forget is um, next week I'll give a shout out to the specific Patreon supporters who've signed up in the last two weeks because I've had quite a few and I've had some really wonderful people bump up their monthly support. And I really wanted to give uh, a shout out to you guys by name. Right now I just want to thank everybody who has um, participated or is is coming on board because um, there is a there's a uh, well, it's kind of cool. We're going to be um, getting a, a bigger apartment with a separate, it's going to be a two-bedroom with its own dedicated studio space. I'm going to use one of the bedrooms for that so that I can improve the quality of what I'm giving you guys. And also, and I think you guys, I, I probably should not open my mouth about this, but I'm just a bleh, bleh, bleh all the time. So, um <laughs> I'm going to say the first thing I'm going to do with that room before we even move into it or um, start, you know, setting it up as a, as a studio space. First thing I'm going to do with it is I'm going to set up a desk and I'm going to set up some books and stuff in there. And I'm going to actually shoot. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to um, see what shots I need to get. And I'm going to try to shoot the shots I need for my metering video. Uh, so that I can uh, get that done this year is finally get that thing wrapped up um, as part of the Basics of Scientology series. So, um, uh, so I really want to, um, and I needed a room to do that in, and I need help doing that. Um, uh, you know, I, I can't just shoot that metering video all by myself. I'm going to have Melissa helping me, um, and and maybe a couple other folks um, because there's you know a, a meter is operated by two people. <laughs> you got the meter operator and the person holding the cans. So um, yeah, so there's going to be an e-meter video, and uh, I'm gonna it's going to be. I, I've been working on this thing for really way longer than I um, than I. Anyway, I've been talking about it for a really long time. Uh, but this is really coming to fruition. This is actually kind of one of the things I needed in order to pull it off because I've been so I didn't want to do some crap ass video where I set up a you know a, a, 
uh, what's one of those TV dinner stands, you know, <laughs> like some crappy table, put the meter on it and try to show you guys what an auditing session looks like or what a security check looks like or what the needle is doing when the meet, when the, you know, person, uh, the auditor is, is operating it. I want to show you guys all of that. And, um, and I didn't want to do it in some crappy way. So, um, anyway, so I'm going to, uh, you know, get that, uh, done for real. And, um, uh, all the arrangements are now pretty much in place. I know exactly what I need to do, and uh, and I finally got the the means to do it. So, uh, my superpower building, yeah, probably. I guess somebody could look at it that way. If you knew the back scenes of my life, you'd know that's not. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not just been using this for something, but um, you know. Anyway. Uh, all right, let's see what else we got here as far as comments. I go back and forth on the comment section and talking to you guys. But, yes, I definitely want to uh, – I, I want to get it to you guys. Uh, and I, I never really should have brought it up until I had it all in the bag, but whatever. Hey, Costa Rica. Good to see you guys. Um, okay, so um, gave that, did that. So let's see if uh, you guys <laughs> – awesome. Hey, Jay. Yeah, get me on the big screen at the hub. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks, Robert, for uh, for clarifying. You were kidding about that. Sometimes people, I've gotten some pretty, you know, I've gotten some interesting emails about that video. Uh, okay, guys. Hey, Sweden. Wow, look at this. Couple of people from Sweden. Oh wow. It's like amazing. Yeah. All right. Well. I've got my wife with me. Now, you guys know I will just like, <laughs> rah, 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 rah. so, um, wow, another sweet. Wow, I got some wow. Swedes. This is awesome. I was first. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, uh, I I actually you know just to just to put this out there in case you guys have ever wondered, um, Dwayne Dibley and and others you know try to be the first people to comment on my videos. Uh, Iceland, hey Iceland, um, and. Uh, um, I just, I think it's funny. I think it's really funny. I, a couple of weeks ago, somebody was really like uh, almost trolling my channel, putting all this like crap on there about somebody, about Dwayne saying he was first. And I just kind of deleted a lot of that because I thought it was a little mean spirited. Um, okay. So Andy is saying, come on, Chris, tell us what you know about Andy Nolch. Uh, I don't want to talk about Andy Nolch. She's another <laughs> YouTuber on, on YouTube who's an independent Scientologist. And, um, and he's, uh, you know, made a video or two lambasting me, and I don't really care about Andy Nolch. So that's what I have to say about him. <laughs> Whatever. You know? uh, uh, okay, so... Um, we are open for questions here. So this is a Q&A show. So um, if you guys um, have any questions for me or for my wife, uh, Melissa here, now would be the time to uh, start throwing them at us. Um, all right, let's see here. Ah, okay. Uh, Fostork says, how was the life in the big blue building? Did you get your own rooms? Um, we had okay in Big Blue in the in the in the the main building. This building that you see on the cover here, the which has the Scientology sign on. This building in Los Angeles is called Main Building. 
And that is where, that's the birthing building where all the Sea Org members who work in PAC, in the PAC base, um, that's where they live. And there are dorms in there, uh, which are gender, you know, there's women's dorms, men's dorms. And then there is um, uh, couples rooms. If you get married, you get your own room as a married couple. Sometimes it can take weeks or even months to get a room because the birthing in charge has to arrange and move people around and get you a room and sometimes there weren't rooms so you end up being married but still living in a dorm uh for a long time i've saw that i saw that a lot of times mm. um when i first got married in the sea org it took us i think uh we went on our little weekend honeymoon and then i think we came back and um i think it was about a week or two before we had a room but I've seen guys go months. So anyway, that's what it's like. And then there's common showers um, on the on the third on the second floor, uh, third floor. No, sorry, on the third, fourth, um, sixth, and seventh floors. There are showers. Uh, most of them common showers that you go in. So you individual shower stalls, but common shower spaces. So there's not a lot of privacy. Uh, okay, let's see here. Um, nice to see you, Melissa. Oh, okay. Cynthia asks, I love the video you both did. Melissa, is your having to deal with a chronic illness help you help Chris deal with leaving Church of Scientology? Are there things in common? Um, yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely things in common. I'll leave it to Chris to say whether I'm helping him or not. But, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, there's definitely things in common, you know, like the, the lows, the down feelings, the, you know, some of the PTSD type stuff, that kind of thing, you know. And there's the, the darker memories and things like that that you have and... I know we both go through that, and we both have our down times and stuff like that, so definitely a lot in common there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think I think so. I I have uh, learned a lot from Melissa um, in terms of uh, uh, what what mental illness or anxiety or depression or what these things on a day to day basis are even mm-hmm. like. Mm-hmm. Um, what's valid? What's not valid about these things? You know, as far as common myths and beliefs and stuff. Uh, I had a lot of stuff, you know, that I had to unlearn from Scientology um, about this whole subject in order to you know understand it and. Um, um, so I, and I definitely feel like uh, learning from Melissa has been helpful to me. Definitely feel that way. Uh, Johnny V asks, Melissa, how did you meet Chris? Um, originally, we met at this place called the Secular Hub in Denver, where all the heathens who have no religion hang out. Um, so we met there uh, a couple times, and then we started hanging out when one of our uh, mutual friends came into town. She invited us both out because she's. A of comedians, so she invited us both out to watch her do that, and that's where we started really hanging out, and Chris took a liking to me, and eventually that came around. (laughs) (laughs) Eventually, like a week. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't like a... It wasn't very long. It wasn't very long, no. We started... I asked her out, and then then she was like, uh, well, I just, you know, I just want to be friends, and I was like, okay, we can be friends. And I, and I was like I was like okay with it you know and uh, but I was I definitely had other other ideas but I was like okay cool we'll be friends and uh, after about a week or two it was like uh, now we're kind of doing a date now yeah. you know and, yeah so that's kind of how that went uh, also somebody's asking Melissa um, how Zeb Stock asks how is it dealing with being married to someone who was in a cult. Hmm. 
Hmm. Well, it's pretty interesting, especially meeting all the other people that he knows that were in a cult and getting to learn all about it. It's just, it's fascinating, you know? Like, I... I always had heard about Scientology before, but I, I didn't know, you know, too much about it other than, like, the South Park episode and, you know, that Tom Cruise was one and a couple other people were. But, yeah, it's interesting. It's, 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 uh, I really respect Chris because he went through a lot, you know, and I, I can't imagine some of the stuff he went through. But, um, you know, it's, it's very interesting. It's very interesting to meet all these other people, too. I know... Like a lot of these second gens, you know, to to be in there and and never have known anything different until they got out. You know, it's I can't imagine that. I just I never really had any kind of religious upbringing, so it's just like I I have no idea what that's like. So I'm pretty impressed that these people, especially Chris, you know, that they got out on their own accord and were able to. To, to do something with it and, and now he's helping people so <laughs> cool alright uh, going down the line here DevPlan44 asks uh, wow do you happen to know if Walter Kotrick is still the commanding officer for the CLO in Europe um, I do not know I know that uh, everybody got replaced out in um, in the in the Pacifica base in Big Blue, except the management person uh, overseeing all the management. The COCLO West US is still Vicky Chance, so I'm going to assume Walter is. I haven't heard otherwise, um, but I couldn't say for sure. Uh, let's see here. Uh, I from Sweden uh, was the hospital. Did Scientology change? Oh, yeah. Okay. So, RoboTube1 asks, The Big Blue was a hospital, of course. Did Scientology change rather than repurpose much of the internals? Um, Initially, things were just repurposed. I mean, uh, hell, when I first got there in 95, the uh, morgue, (laughs) <laughs> in the in the basement of uh, Asho, the the building across the street from from the building I worked in, um, the the morgue was being used as the exec office. I mean, you, there was still literally the scale that they would weigh bodies on was still there. Oh my god! Uh, yeah, we were like, oh, that's what that is, and because uh, I, I was like, what's that? And it was like this huge thing you would roll a, a cart onto, and it was a it was a scale, and uh, they were like, yeah, that's what they weighed the bodies on, and I was like, holy shit, it's sitting right in the exec office, you know. Um, so there was still hospital stuff around. It was this ratty looking, you know, hospital marble and and hospital hallways and hospital doors and stuff. And then they did this massive renovation between 95 and 2000 of the entire base. And they tore down walls and and put in, you know, carpets and and reframed everything and uh, and totally changed it. So you really couldn't tell now walking around in those buildings. Um, that it used to be a hospital. It's really not apparent uh, too much anymore. Uh, okay, let's see here. Uh, Orange Crush asks, how do you guys deal with health insurance? <laughs> uh, we don't. <laughs> um, we're, we're working on it. We're trying to uh, get on uh, a plan through the exchange for Melissa. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been uh, a chore. It's yeah. been a real chore. Uh, you've seen me posting. If, if you guys follow me on social media, you've been seeing me posting some critical remarks about the healthcare system and and health insurance um, because I, you know, see 
you know, how much we need it and how difficult it is to get. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it is, it is a problem here in the United States, a real problem. So, um, so anyway, you'll probably see more from me on that in the future as well, but that's, uh, that's how we're dealing with that. Uh, let's see here. Um, oh, thank you, Zeb. Seems we're perfect for each other. Um, Yes, Fred says I uh, I show uh, you showed less emotions and facial expression at the beginning. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I, I you know somebody asked me about that recently too, and uh, I, I I guess that's true. I, I you know I can't really say. <laughs> uh, I, I I feel happier these days than I did when I was in Scientology. <laughs> I'll put it that way. Um, oh, Johnny V asks Melissa, did Chris's hate page have anything to do? Uh, or hesitation with dating him. Oh, no, we were already dating by the time that came out, so um, it didn't really dissuade me or anything, and we kind of knew it was coming. We figured something was going to happen when he, when he went on the show, so... <laughs> but it didn't dissuade me. I mean, he had already told me everything, and, and you know, I knew a lot of it was BS or exaggerated and stuff like that, so... <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, more cowbell, yes. Um... Okay, Dev Plan Forty Four asks: Is it legal in the U.S. even in a church to have a surveillance system installed to record parishioner sessions? Yes, it is. Um, it's legal if both parties uh, consent to it. And in Scientology, uh, when you go into an auditing session, you know that it could be recorded for training purposes. Or um, it's because it's not a matter. You know, some people think that every single auditing session is recorded and kept on file or something. And that's not at least as of when I left the Church of Scientology. That's not the case at all. Only specific sessions were recorded for specific reasons. Um, High-level, you know, security issues would always be recorded. Um, Celebrity sessions, I'm sure, are recorded. How long they keep them, I couldn't say as far as celebrity sessions go. But even the high-level security stuff, once the security investigation was over, they didn't keep it. You know, they had written records of everything that was said and done, and those they keep. But the video recording uh, or audio recordings of those sessions are not generally something they keep around for a really long time, except for very certain, you know, circumstances. So just to be clear about that. Um, but if both parties consent, then it's, then it's perfectly legal. Mm. Cynthia asks, will you be adding a new fur baby to seven now that you will have a bigger apartment? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's that's the word there. Uh, yeah, yeah I no, mean, no. I'd have another cat, but Chris probably couldn't handle it. It would be too much. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, that's exactly how to say that. That is exactly right. Um, okay, let's see here. Um, da, da, da. Cynthia. Okay, Polymath asks, Nexium uses the phrase suppressive persons as well as other Scientology techniques. Was Renier ever part of it? Um, I don't know if Kevin Renier was ever part of Scientology, but I, I was just the other day became aware of um, how many parallels there are in the terminology between Scientology and Nexium. So uh, that got my uh, curiosity peaked. So you can uh, be assured that I will definitely be doing some more research on Nexium, uh, which is a non-religious cult. It's uh, as far as I understand it, uh, Nexium uh, is a business consulting 
cult. Of course, now it's not much of a cult at all because Keith Renier is, uh, I said Kevin Renier, it's Keith Renier, um, is in jail. I mean, the FBI went after him, and uh, and so um, so we're going to see where that goes. But yeah, the parallels are too many in the terminology for me to uh, to ignore. So I got to look into that. Um, the what is that? The the legend? Oh, the legend user. Should women be allowed to breastfeed in public? No blanket, open chest for the world to see. I think so. I don't know why anybody gets so ridiculous about it you know it's just you're feeding your baby and that's what breasts are for that's one of their purposes you know like and so i don't know why everyone gets all freaked out about it it's like just boobs <laughs> pretty much my point of view on it uh, because it's really i mean i think you'd have to be pretty weird to see something sexual going on yeah. in breastfeeding yeah i mean talk about something that has absolutely nothing to do with you know yeah. what I mean with a sexual act yeah. or anything. I mean, it's not something that I, you know. If I, if and when I see women breastfeeding in public, I just think, okay, whatever. Yeah. You know, I, I got nothing on it. <laughs> so, hey, thanks, Cynthia. Thank you for that super chat there. Uh, all right, let's see here. Um, Fred Faw just asks, have you ever heard something from Wilfred Handel? He was the second in command in Austria and defected a couple years ago and was a lot in TV in Austria and Germany as an expert. Uh, I have heard the name Wilfred Handel, but I have not, um, I don't, nothing that that person said comes to mind right now. Uh, so I couldn't really talk too intelligently about that. Um, Melissa's, oh, here we go, Josper. Melissa's voice didn't come, come across with the same volume as Chris's. The microphone is closer to Chris. No. <laughs> it's my voice. I'll it's, try to get a little closer. <laughs> yeah. It's, she's, I, it's my voice. I have a booming voice. Uh, I never thought that I did, and then I started doing video work, and uh, yeah. Oh, thanks for the answer, Chris. You're welcome. Um Big Blue is, uh, yeah, good times. Let's see here. Um, oh, my. Yeah, here we go. Keith Jones. Oh, another super chat. Okay, good. I will take it. Thank you, Cynthia. Um, Keith Jones. Hey, Chris, great talks. You could dive into the money spent on invading other countries when looking for the billions to fund healthcare. Yeah, no shit. Uh, I, I, you know. Yeah, <laughs> I think I think the United States could do with a healthy dose of leave other people the hell alone right. and uh, and take care of business at home. Uh, which is not to say, I mean, it's a complicated issue, mm. you know what I mean? I don't mean to reduce this to memes. Um, the United States has responsibilities and obligations to countries all around the world. We've created treaties, we have trade agreements, we have things we're doing, and um, and those are important, and we have to fulfill our obligations. But uh, the United States taking on the role of world police or, uh, you know, savior of everybody who has different values from us, I, I don't, I'm not down with that so much, uh, and I think we need to... Uh, take care of business. Um, let's see here. Um, oh, Zeb Stock asks, with, uh, with GDPR, have you heard anything about Scientology having to rush to fill out new forms or change how they store data? I have not. Uh, I've not heard a whole lot about the European implementation of GDPR and how that's affected Scientology directly. Um, it does have, that has to do with confidentiality mm -hmm. and personal data and stuff okay. in, the, in, the UK, in the Europe. 
Um, somebody asked me to actually one of my one of my um, big supporters asked me to look into that, maybe do an episode about it. I am still looking into it actually because um, it's kind of a complicated subject, but um, uh, but also a very dry subject and not you know it's not super sexy or interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and we haven't had really any landmark cases on that yet in terms of legal cases against or for Scientology in Europe based on the GDPR requirements to, uh, you know, be open and transparent. So uh, we'll see where that goes. Um, But it's kind of, it's a little, it's not fully all the way back on the back, back, back burner, but it's not front and center for me right now. It's just one of those things I'm gathering information about. Oh, Sandy Q asks, um, any speaking engagements coming up? Um, Actually, no. This is the last trip we have planned for this year in terms of going out and speaking anywhere, Mm -hmm. which is not to say that I do have a speaking engagement coming up at the Secular Hub next week in Denver. So if you want to come to that, I'm totally down. Um, That's actually, I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to be doing another uh, talk on why smart people fall for stupid things and cult mentality. So that'll be a lot of fun. but that's totally local. I don't have to travel anywhere for that. Um, but, you know, if anybody wants to sponsor me coming out to their location to do a talk, I'm more than happy to. Um, okay. Robert asks, did you see the Ono oh Ross and Kerry e-metering video? I did not. I heard about it, um, but I have not had the time to sit and watch it yet. I was very curious what they did. Uh, I don't know anything about it except they got their hands on an e-meter. And uh, it, I, it, something they said sounded like they were doing um, e-meter drills, uh, which are practice actions you do in order to learn how to use an e-meter. And there's a book that has like 27 different drills that you do in order to learn how to use an e-meter. So... I think somebody sent them an e-meter in that book, and they had at it. But that's all I know about it. So I'm going to have to watch that, and then I'll, I'll comment on it. Um, what is that? It was an ideal award. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was looking uh, earlier. Right. <laughs> uh, okay, let's see here. Have you? Okay. Uh, Rihanna Evans asks, Hey both, have either of you experienced or contemplated psychotherapy? I've found it to be exceptionally helpful, but imagine it's tough to mitigate your views on psychological help post-Scientology. Hmm. Um, you want to? Yeah, I mean, I've done therapy, plenty of therapy, but uh, yeah, I've, I've found some therapists very helpful, very useful. Uh, I found well, group therapy can be very helpful. Um, some therapists were not as good as others. You know, it's just, I always relate it to dating. It's like it takes a while to find the right therapist sometimes. So, <laughs> but definitely, I would, if, if we get some good health insurance, I would definitely consider going back into it too yep there we go i um i have had positive experiences with a limited amount of therapy that i've had with a professional i have had um some success online i happen to know a lot of therapists and have had some very detailed conversations with them maybe you know taking advantage a little bit um i I mean i that's how you know they say that, that i don't do that i mean i try to not you know 
hog their time or something. But um, through the course of a lot of the research that I've done for my channel, I've actually learned a tremendous number of things about um, the psyche and, you know, and, and psychology and, and the brain and neurology and this kind of stuff. So, um, and sociology. So that's been, uh, that's been very helpful for me. Um, and uh, of course, now we're, you know, promoting betterhelp.com yeah. on the channel here because that seemed to be the, 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 the best possible sponsor I could possibly find. Um, hey, wow. Thank you, Couch, for that uh, super chat. Uh, all right. Let's see here. Women should be hot breastfeed wherever they need to. Yeah, exactly. Um, Melissa, have you tried C and D oil or what it's called for depression? Talking about CBD oil? I think she's talking about Ganilla Bostrom is asking that. Yeah. Um, not for depression. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not you know, but uh, yeah. yeah. I, I the men's I'm on are working pretty well though. <laughs> mm. Um, okay, Morma McDonald asks, are you in touch with any current Scientologists? Maybe. <laughs> uh, that's all I'm going to say about that. Because, um, of course, you know, I, I, I can't say a whole lot about who I am or I'm not in touch with when it comes to people who are still in destructive cults, uh, especially something like Scientology. So, you know. Um, all right, let's see here. Um, but, yes, I, I, I might be. There's a great deal of Trump morphing into Hubbard. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Uh, oh, Sandy Q. Thank you. Um, awesome. I love super chats. <laughs> um, do you think... Um, oh, okay. Here's a tough question. Maelstrom with a bunch of numbers after it. it says, do you think extremist groups, uh, websites, neo-Nazis, etc., should be censored or banned? If they were, would that infringe on the freedom of speech? What do you do with dangerous content like that? Um, that is a complicated and tough question, mm -hmm. but my baseline philosophy uh, or view about freedom of speech is that all freedom of speech, basically, it's kind of a, for me, it's kind of an, uh, one of the few things that gets almost absolute. Um, you either allow it or you don't. You know, it's either are going to be okay with people expressing themselves or, you know, we're, we're exerting some degree of, uh, of tyranny. Um, but this has to be, uh, what's the word? Um, there has to be common sense applied. Mm -hmm. You know, the fire in a crowded theater thing, when you're, my issue is when you are inciting violence, when you're spreading, um, you know, hate, I guess. Um, but it's, it's a difficult thing because hate speech as a concept is something I kind of disagree with because anything can be labeled hate speech. Hell, Scientologists think my channel's hate speech. And they would shut it down using hate speech laws if they could. Mm -hmm. So I'm against hate speech laws. And yet, I'm not for hate speech. So it's kind of this weird dichotomy, right? Because you want freedom of speech. You want people to be able to express themselves. Because if they can't, then you have tyranny. If you have a society where people are not free to believe what they want, say what they want, um, in a public forum, spread their ideas, let people think about them, let, let's have discussions and debate about them. If you don't allow that, um, then you have a society that is impinging on pers people's personal freedoms and their ability to live their life the way they want to. 
and I, I'm not down for that. Uh, at the same time, I despise neo-Nazis. So, um, so it becomes a tough thing. So my thing is, my, my standards tend to go in the direction of, uh, is what are the consequences of the speech? And if the consequences of the speech are direct physical harassment and, um, and violence, um, then I think we have a problem. And that is where I would rather see more more policing of that. I don't have it all figured out, but that's my initial take on it. You know, uh, it's a tough one. Oh, for sure. You know, it's a really tough one. Because also, the other thing is that, you know, I have a German friend who's always on me about how, you know, the German speech laws are so much better than the American ones, which is probably true. Um, because they demand, you know, because because you can't get away there with uh, with with re, with uh, attacking dignity, uh, you know, or or people's right to just kind of live their life, right, you know, right. and, and not be tearing them down. Yeah, all the time. free of harassment and that kind of thing. Exactly. So it's you know, but again, I still have to I still have to learn more about the German laws. Um, yeah, definitely. But I'm definitely an advocate, a free speech advocate. If you were gonna, if you were gonna put me in a bottle or, or put a label on me or something, I would hope it would be free speech advocate. Um, okay, let's see here. Do you miss? And they do not cause autism. Yes, I agree. Do you miss any people you were with in the Sea Org? You were in the Sea Org with uh, Morna McDonald asks. Yes. All the time, there were very, very good friends I had in the Sea Org, and uh, and I really hope that someday they get out of there. Um, and some people have come out, and I've reconnected with them. And that's been that's been nice. Um, how much do we get this return? Stephanie Beard asks, seems like for Sea Org managers, yell, curse at subordinates to motivate in the WOG world, what kind of motivation will get you to HR? Do those returning to regular jobs have problems with HR issues? Hmm. Stephanie, okay, so basically I think what you're asking, Stephanie, is in the Sea Org, you yell, you scream to motivate people, but outside in the real world, that kind of motivation will get you fired or get you sent to human resources, yeah. right? <laughs> so do those who come out of the Sea Org and get regular jobs have problems with that? Um, there are problems. I've certainly talked to Sea Org members about it, but it's not. I've not found them to be problems of yelling and screaming so much as trying to fit in and having a hard time um, kind of speak, you know, downshifting a, a bit, I should say. Like, you come out of the Sea Org and you're so revved up all the time. Um, it's a constant state of emergency. There's a constant state of, of anxiety and, and feeling the need to have to be working all the time. And, um, and you have this, this tremendous work ethic. But it, it, it's damaging because you don't have a personal life ethic, you know, that matches it. You don't have any idea that you're, that you're important or that your life is important or that maybe taking a break sometimes is a good idea. So uh, for me, I can speak to this by saying that um, in my first job outside of the Sea Org, I um, was frantic all the time. And my boss noticed this, and he was the, he was just awesome about this. He really kind of chilled me out. You know, he'd, he'd, he'd give me jobs to do. He'd assign me things to get done. And he would specifically tell me, you don't have to get this done today. 
it's okay if this gets done tomorrow or next week. I'm not in a hurry. And he noticed that I had a quantity over quality problem, is that I was trying to get things, lots of things done, but my quality was not so great. And he wanted better quality. So, um, so that's how that worked out. Um, oh, somebody loves the color of your shirt. Oh, thank you. Melissa does, or <laughs> Cynthia does. Thank you, Cynthia. <laughs> I love the color of her shirt, too. Aww. <laughs> um, yes. Uh, Ross and Carrie, we're doing the drills in the instruction manual. Okay, let's fly back up there. Um, they came with the e-meter. Okay, so they were doing e-meter drills. Okay, good. Um, what are you talking about? GDPR, da-da-da. Oh, this is an interesting question. Johnny Val asks, Chris, have you ever worked for Tony Ortega as an inside man when you were in the Church of Scientology, helping expose the abuses of the church? If you didn't know about Tony Ortega, do you wish you could have helped his investigation? Um, well, let me tell you something, actually. Um, I ended up getting busted by Scientology because I was helping Tony Ortega. But I don't, it's it's on me. I mean, this is not, no, no diss on Tony. Uh, I was so anxious to contribute to his blog that when I was still under the radar, when I was first coming out of Scientology and learned how bad it was, but I hadn't yet come out publicly and started speaking about it. This was in mid-2013. Um, there was a story Tony ran involving somebody who used to be my junior in the Sea Org. And she had gone to Las Vegas and, you know, had some issues with the law. And I emailed Tony and I said, she used to be my junior and here's a quote you can use about her. Well, that was kind of stupid because, of course, the church immediately picked up on who that would have been making that quote because she only had so many seniors in the Sea Org, right? So I kind of gave away the game by exposing myself, you know, while I was still trying to be under the radar. And that's how the church uh, told me, at least later on, they told me that's how they figured out who I was. Because I was, I was speaking out under a, a pseudonym. So I did try to help Tony when I was under the radar. And then I have, of course, uh, helped Tony since then with answering questions and things like that. Um, okay, let's see where we go going here. Uh, I don't see you asking anything. He's really rock. Oh, I should do more super chats. <laughs> uh, good. We'll see about doing that. Uh, okay. He. <laughs> Fred says, "Do you know the actor Michael McKeon uh, in Better Call Saul? He'd be perfect for Hubbard." Yeah, God, he would, wouldn't he? This, the way he's aging and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Probably, <laughs> probably, yeah. I'd, I'd agree with that. I'd agree with that. Um, okay, let's see here. Smoke weed. Um, yes, we. we <laughs> yes, we, we do. Yes, that does happen. Although it's not really smoking weed; it's more edibles and yeah, and vape pen. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's see here. What is Norm Santos thing when higher ups? Oh, okay. Mr. Zvetti asks a good question. What do, what do normal Scientologists think when so many higher-ups quit, like Mike Rinder, Mark Rathman, etc.? They think bad things about the church. I mean, at first, when a high-level person comes out of the church and goes public, there's a shock value. There's an, oh, my God. But for me, I'll, I'll speak from my own experience that when I saw Marty and Mike come out of the church and start speaking out, that had a big impression on me as a Sea Org member. That was actually game-changing for me. 
Um, and then Debbie Cook's email came out when I was still in the Sea Org but was contemplating leaving. And um, and those really made a difference because I knew who all of those people were in the Sea Org. I respected them. They had authority. Their, their opinions mattered to me. And to see them come out of Scientology and then speak out against it, I was like, oh, wow. There must be something to what they're saying, you know, especially because there were so many of them. It wasn't just one, mm -hmm. you know, it was a number of them. And um, at first I tried to rash, I, I tried to sort of think that maybe they were colluding and it was some kind of conspiracy. Yeah, yeah. But then there were just more and more. And I mean, Tom DeVock and uh, Jeff Hawkins, I mean, just more of more of these people started speaking out and it became... Uh, undeniable that something was really rotten uh, in in Scientology land. I was going to say rotten in Denmark, but <laughs> Denmark's actually a great place. So yeah. Um, okay, let's see here. Poland. Hey, Poland. Oh, Ricardo, thank you for that super chat contribution. Oh, yeah. This is great. I uh, really appreciate it, guys. Um, I have a question. Ascari Navarro asks, did you experience any violence, physical and verbal, while you were on the RPF? Also, how did Melissa react about your experience in Scientology? Why don't you answer first? How did I react? Well, hmm, I'm trying to think about that. Like, when I first found out, I didn't really know how big of a deal it was. Like, I remember going to lunch with him and a couple people from the hub, uh, Ruth and Jay and everything and thinking, you know, you know, I don't know that much about Scientology. I don't know how big of a deal it is that he was in it or, you know, was it like being in some other religion or something like that and getting out. And then when I started learning more and more about it, it just shocked me. I didn't know that Scientology was so terrible and that they had things like the RPF and and that kind of stuff that they did and the abuses and, and the way they treated people and those dorms and, and stuff like that. It just it was shocking. Yeah. Uh, which is what it's like for, for a lot of people. Um, as far as did I experience any violence on the RPF? Yeah. Yeah, I did. Uh, I broke bones. I, I have scars on my arms. Um, I, uh, I broke bones. I broke my finger. Uh, ironically, my middle finger here. Um, <laughs> First and only time I've ever broken any bone in my body was on the RPF. Um, I, you know, you get pushed around, you get shoved around a lot. Um, there's, it's a very physical activity. Um, and uh, but as far as actually somebody assaulting me, that happened outside the RPF. Uh, I had uh, I had Jenny Devock beat on me one day, and that was not a lot of fun. Uh, oh, Stephanie, you're welcome for answering your question. <laughs> Uh, Johnny asks, Chris, were you surprised by some of your old Sea Org colleagues that blew? Also, were the conditions worse or better at the time of their exit? Um, I don't know that I'm really ever surprised that people blow because eventually everybody gets kind of pushed to their breaking point. Mark Headley's quote about it is the best one. It's, um, you know, the end result of Scientology is leaving Scientology. So, you know, everybody leaves eventually. And uh, I've always uh, sort of thought that, I've found that to be true. So eventually everybody's coming out, you know, I, I think. I mean, except for the really crazy fanatical mm -hmm. people. Um, yeah. Uh, Mr. Zvedi asks, Chris, what did you think about normal life shortly after you quit Scientology? I still thought about it the way I always thought about it as a Scientologist. I thought that the world was crazy. I thought that um, that it was going to hell in a handbasket, and I was um, 
you know, going to do whatever I could to, to try to help the world. Um, but I thought it was pretty, I thought it was pretty nuts. But then I started interacting with more and more and more people and found that it, that people were a hell of a lot nicer in real life than I ever imagined that they were from what I had read and heard about when I was a Scientologist and a Sea Org member. Um, I found a lot of help. I was, in fact, sometimes I have received help from people who were even just kind of casual friends that has almost brought me to tears. It was so amazing. I mean, I got sick one time and I was kind of laid up at home and I kind of made this known, not because I was trying to appeal for help. I just was telling friends, what's up? And a couple of them independently were offering to, you know, bring me some food and help me out because I was laid up at home for a week. I had this uh, eye surgery or something and I couldn't leave. Uh, I had to be on my side. I had to lay on my side for for an entire week because I had this eye surgery and I just toughed it out. I was just going to tough it out. I had, I I stocked up some food. I, you know, I I had everything ready and then suddenly people were out of the blue helping me and I was just like, what is this? I had never even imagined that people would just be that kind. That was the kind of thing that that made a difference in in, in my view of the world uh, after leaving Scientology with stuff like that happening. Um, Keith Jones asks, you spoke about seeing a therapist. Did you always believe that they were bad or did you seek help right when you left the Church of Scientology? Well, I've talked about this quite a bit actually in the past. Um, And the answer is uh, I did think they were bad when I left Scientology, but it was one of the first things I did when I left was to get myself educated on psychology and psychiatry to find out that they're not as bad as, um, as I had been led to believe. And we actually did a podcast a couple of weeks ago about depression, mm-hmm. uh, where we, where we talked a lot about this. So check that out. It's a sensibly speaking podcast from like two weeks ago. Uh, it's, I think it's called a conversation about depression and we go into detail in that episode about answering that, the answer to that question. Um, at the same time, Ron Miscavige. <laughs> okay. Dave Mansfield, how old are you? Okay, well, I'm 48. I'm 36. <laughs> there you go. Uh, da, da, da. Yeah. Interesting how that backfired on me. Yeah, that was. Um, Fake Blood asks, do you think Kosovo was a legitimate country or an invasion of Serbia? I cannot answer that question right now. I don't know enough about it to have an opinion. Um, I'd have to look into that. Uh, Let's see. Is the girl clever? I think she is. (laughs) (laughs) Married her. I I think she's pretty clever. Uh, Let's see. Are you aware... Oh, Orange Crush asks, are you aware of any high-level members who are under the radar and will go public soon? Hmm. I'm not going to answer that question. Uh, Let's see here. Depending on what the platform is, I'll go with Q&A over live interviews. Uh, Yeah, cool. Uh, Russell, how hard would the church come down on any effort to make an honest biopic about Hubbard? Uh, this has to happen starring McKean. <laughs> so Russell Lopez asked that question. And the church would come down on him like a ton of bricks. They would do everything and anything they could to stop such a thing from happening. Um, 
uh, yeah, they just would. They would, especially if it was. I mean, if it was negative, I'll put it that way. If if you know, they would want to get hold of that script. They'd want to be all over that. Mm-hmm. They would want to you know insist that their views be the only views presented. Uh, otherwise, it would be religious discrimination and bigotry, and they would loudly trounce anyone who would do such a production. That's how Scientology would try to deal with that. Um. Danya, Danya, I am. I just. I am so bad. I butcher names. I am sorry. Danya uh, says thoughts, or maybe a possible future video on CCHR targeting Canada's indigenous community. Hmm. Yeah, first I'm hearing about it. Um, Danya, send me uh, send me some links about that. I'll check it out. Uh, Alex Jones for prison. Yeah. <laughs> I'm down. Uh, (laughs) Cynthia asks, do you have an opinion on how the Church of Scientology will finally come together with the Nation of Islam? It's the weirdest coming together of groups that I have ever seen. Um, Well, I think what they're doing now is pretty much what they're going to continue doing. Um, I mean, they came together when I was still in the Sea Org. I think it was um, 2009 or 10 or something when they first started coming into the churches. And uh, the Nation of Islam people were coming into Scientology, and they were they were initially coming in only for Dianetics. That was all they were supposed to receive was Dianetics training and auditing. They were going to co-audit. They were going to work with each other. Excuse me. They were not going to be offered Scientology. We were not to talk to them about Scientology. We weren't to do anything about that. Um, but then, of course, they started. Some of them started asking about Scientology and reaching for Scientology. And then it was like, oh well, can we can we sell them Scientology services Is the, if they ask for it? And then, of course, that leads to, you know, hey, wouldn't you like to know about uh-huh. Scientology? You uh-huh. know, so and you know, so on and so on. So now you see Nation of Islam people who are pretty much just Scientologists, you know, doing this, the whole Scientology bridge, even going up to clear and, and uh, maybe even the OT levels. It's a weird partnership. I, I have never understood it. The more I found out about the Nation of Islam after I got out of the Sea Org, uh, the weirder it became as a, as a partnership because the Nation of Islam has is, is, is got some really weird ideas. All right. Uh, DevPlan asks, was it also at your time that the Sea Org security was enforcing internet filter and restricting internet access? Uh, yeah, they still do. Yes, that, that, that was happening. The, 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 the Sea Org security would allow some people to have internet access, uh, but you had to go through an approval process and they put a filtering program on your browser and on your computer to make sure that you couldn't ever see anything about Xenu or OT3 or Scientology or any of that kind of stuff. So they would filter out Tony Ortega's blog, for example. Um... Oh, Lemmy Adams asks, would there be a way to hook up individual members of Scientology that want to escape so they can leave and not be alone? I hope that makes sense. Yes, contact the Aftermath Foundation. Uh, That group is specifically for people who have left Scientology, more so than it's about trying to get people out of Scientology. But if you have somebody who is a Scientologist or is calling themselves a Scientologist, but they want to leave or they're kind of under the radar or they are having problems and they don't know... Um, how to leave Scientology and they, you know, maybe one of the reasons why they can't leave is because they'd be out of a job or they wouldn't have a place to live or they'd be, you know, suddenly disconnected from everybody. The Aftermath Foundation can help with situations like that. Um, 
Johnny V, again, Melissa, Chris, seems well-adjusted. Is there anything you noticed, PTSD-wise or flashbacks-wise, or do you think he's recovered? What do you think? I think you're pretty well-adjusted. I mean, I yeah, I don't, you're not, like, freaking out or, you know, having, like, you know, some weird PTSD moments or anything. I mean, I'm sure you, I know you have like nightmares and stuff like that sometimes but you're not yeah we talk about stuff a shell of a person or anything like that no No, I'm not a shell of a person I think you're doing pretty well considering it's only been like what five years so I mean some people takes 20 years to get over it and I don't know you seem pretty well adjusted to me (laughs) working on it working on it Uh, okay cool Wabi28 asks, will you touch the subject of evolutionary psychology's perspective on cult thinking? I find the idea kind of funny and interesting to hear a primatologist's take on these things. I'd have to look into that. I have not talked to very many evolutionary psychologists. Um, I'm not even sure what that is all about. Um, I know about evolutionary biologists. Mm-hmm. I don't know about evolutionary psychologists. I'll have to look into that. Uh, thanks for bringing that up. I'll look into it. Um, oh, Here's a good question, Cynthia. Do you see your family much? Your mom was great in those videos you did. Didn't you have a brother, too? Yes, I do have a brother uh, and a father and a mother. And um, I see them uh, a lot. Uh, well, I, I talk to them a lot, let's put it that way. I'm in, I'm in the touch with my parents and my brother um, quite a bit, especially my mom more so than, than anybody else, than my brother and then I think my dad. And um, But we're going to probably go see my dad later this year. So, uh, so yes, I, I think I have a, I, I think I have a stronger relationship with my family now than I have had at any point in my life, um, and I think that that is something I am lucky to have in a number of ways, because I know a lot of people my age who have very uh, different relationships. <laughs> with their folks um, and I always feel a little sad about that because I think that family is important um, so that's you know but at the same time if it's toxic you know then you got to get away from it mm-hmm. I mean you can't you can't hold on to a toxic relationship if the person's destroying you just because they're your parents either right. or your kid or your, or right, your siblings right. um, you know personal health definitely comes first um Robert Robert asks, have I considered doing a video on the Nation of Islam cult? I actually haven't. I mean, I thought about it a couple times, um, but I'm actually kind of, I thought it's, it, you know, it's it's uh, one of thousands and it's, you know, it's probably something I should tackle at some point. What I did get interested in and what I am studying now is, is Islam as a whole. Uh, I'm, I'm doing that study now, and I think that that will um, create, I'll probably, from that I could get into Nation of Islam, as well as radical Islam and terrorism and a lot of other things, which is what I'm studying that stuff for. So I think you'll see stuff from me in the future on Nation of Islam. Um, Jenna Pett asks, do you engage with Mormons or JWs when they knock on your door or Scientologists you might see body routing or just ignore them? Um, I never go down to the local church of Scientology in Denver. I have no reason or business to go down there. I don't do protesting and stuff like that. 
Um, so I, w- I don't know if I, if I was down in downtown, mm-hmm. if we were down there and we were by the church and somebody tried to body route me into the church, I, I would probably start laughing hysterically. <laughs> I think that would be hilarious. I'd have a, I'd, I would engage with that person. Um, I did engage with a Scientologist once at a book fair, uh, at a public book fair out, out in the open. Um, so that was kind of fun. They didn't know who I was. So I just sort of talked science at them for a while. Um, and we live in an apartment building, so we don't ever have any JWs or no. Mormons coming around. Um, if they did, I don't know what I would do. I think it would depend on how much time I had on my hands. <laughs> <laughs> if I had an hour to kill, yeah, I might invite them in and, and go over some things with them. Might be kind of interesting, actually. Uh, but that's not going to happen because we live in no. an apartment building. Yeah, so. it's pretty secure. So. <laughs> right. Um Let's see. Ganilla says here, since Travolta won't go OT, being by, what do they keep him occupied with doing? I guess it doesn't know he will go OT. I couldn't really say. I don't really know a whole lot about Travolta's personal life or situation with Scientology at this point. I know that he's not on OT7 or 8. I draw your own conclusions as to why. Um, I do, I will say with some degree of confidence that John Travolta is bisexual. Uh, and that is a problem within the Church of Scientology. Whether that's the reason he's not being allowed to go on or not, I couldn't say. You know, the guy's a loyal, hardcore Scientologist despite his sexuality. He loves the tech. He also loves his family, and he's also a super nice guy. So um, I've never, ever heard of Travolta abusing anybody in Scientology versus, say, Tom Cruise, who is, uh, you know, a complete nutter. Uh, Let's see here. What do you guys think? Depression podcast has an effect on me. Good. All right. Well, we're going to be wrapping up here shortly, guys. We're coming up on an hour, and um, you guys have had some amazingly great questions here. Um, So, Hector the Inspector, shout out, please. All right. (laughs) I guess that was your shout out, Hector. Oh, okay. All right. One last question, then we'll get going. Kiva Go asks, were either of you in any school plays as a kid? If so, were there any highlights or embarrassing moments? I was in quite a few, because I was actually into theater and drama and all that growing up, so... Theater major. Um, I'm trying to think of one of the best moments. I, I guess the when I was in college, my favorite moment was I got to be in a cage and scream at a donut and... <laughs> So, that was fun. What? <laughs> I think you ever told me about screaming at a donut. I'm pretty sure I did. In a cage. I have a video of it. Somewhere. That is awesome. Okay, well, I have not seen that video. Um, my, I was not a, a theater person, but I will share this uh, most embarrassing moment of my life experience. Um, I was uh, in an academic decathlon type of thing in junior high school, and I got to the to the stage where we were up on a stage in front of the entire student body, and this was seventh grade. So I um, I was up there answering questions. There were five of us on stage. Uh, and some of the questions were easy and some of them were very, very hard. Excuse me. And um, after all the questions were asked, um, the person in charge said, will Sean please come up here 
because that was the person who won. That was the person who answered all the right questions. Well, in my, I don't know, delusional whatever hearing that I was, a hysterical hearing, I thought she said Chris. Oh, no. But she said Sean. She said, well, Sean, please come up here. And I got up. And Sean got up. And we're both walking over to where she's at. And again, this is in front of the entire school. I, I stand up. I start walking. People immediately start tittering and laughing and pointing. And I'm like, oh, God, I have made a horrible mistake. And yet I'm on my feet walking. Sean, who hates me, by the way, he hated me, is in my ear walking side by side with me saying, I don't know where you think you're going, asshole. (laughs) And I'm like, I guess I don't know where I'm going either. So I, instead of just bowing and going back to my seat, I tried to play it off by looking off stage at the curtains and playing with the curtains and trying to make that I had seen something weird that I was investigating <laughs> more closely. And of course there was nothing to see. So then I turned around and walked back and sat down, <laughs> you know, confident that I had, you know, investigated this strange phenomena with curtains, not fooling a single person. And looking like a complete oaf, uh, and that was my uh, stage experience in in, uh, in junior high. <laughs> oh, man. And yeah, needless to say, I did not uh, did not have any more uh, theater experience in school after any of that. <laughs> so anyway, that's my big. Uh, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's anyway, it's it's just silly me being a goof. Um, okay, guys. So we're going to wrap up here. Hey, this has been a lot of fun. Thanks uh, for coming around and watching. Um, do please consider supporting on Patreon if you are not a Patreon supporter. I have, by the way, I have some lapel pins coming. Um, that I'm going to announce them and I'll show them when they come. I've got them on order. I think it's going to be another week or so before they arrive. And that will be a um, a uh, something I can give back to my Patreon supporters if you Sign on for 20 bucks uh, a month at that level, then you'll get this lapel pin. And I'm going to mail those out to everybody who signs on. And then this shirt, the Facts Matter shirt, will be for the next level of Patreon supporters. So I'm, I'm trying to figure out things to, to throw out there for you guys uh, in return for your support of my channel. Because you guys are the ones who actually keep me going and channel happening. And um, and I want to keep growing it. And I think you guys are, are key to making that happen. So, And if you've already signed up, I will send you uh, one of these pins as soon as I get them. I ordered a couple hundred of them. So, um, so I will be contacting my Patreon supporters through Patreon to get your address so I can mail them to you. Okay? Because um, if you're at that level, you definitely deserve some, um, some you know, fun things from me uh, in return. So, all right, guys. Thanks for coming around. I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad my lovely wife could be part of this this week. <laughs> me too. Me too. All right, guys. Talk to you later. Bye bye. Mm-hmm.